0: When I traveled to different parts of the world, the comment, especially when I was in Scotland, the views of Americans were that we were these kind of self-absorbed, overeating, emotional babies. Part of, I think, what we're being invited to is moving away from this whole notion that I am the center of the universe. The maturity is growing up to be able to consider that I'm not the center of the universe, and that that other people do have some view of the world that could be helpful for me. There's a point that we need to take a spiritual fast from media outlets because it's too easy for it to form us. And again, back to we become what we gaze at, I need to be looking spending more time in scripture reading, I need to spend more time in Christian reading that are telling me about who Jesus is. Because the more I can stare at him, the more I gaze at him, the more those qualities I see in him, I'm going to be thinking, you know, as Paul says, think about what, that which is good, true, and beautiful. I'm going to be thinking about those things. We have to get back to the, basically the fundamentals of who is Jesus, how does he live? And am I living like him?
1: You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia.
0: So, this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle, and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle Podcast.
1: Nancy Kane, Associate Professor and Program Director for Moody Distance Learning Christian Spiritual Formation Certificate Program. Nancy, I'm seeing reactions from everyone on all sides. People feeling mm-hmm. sad and exhausted.
0: Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And I think that that's, what, I think you're you're starting off even our conversation with a great point. Everyone is exhausted. Yeah. Not just people that are disagreeing with me or people that have those opinions, mm-hmm. um, it's everyone I think is exhausted by the, I think, the level of disrespect, the level of hate, and I think not only that, but the level of uncertainty that I think that all this is thrown at us. And so it creates a environment of fear that, that it also moves to an environment of wanting to control and make other people not okay.
1: The environment of fear, I've even heard, even within the church, people... or from believers about end times and you know that things are just going to get worse and bringing up scripture to kind of back that up and just the narratives around how would you talk to someone that's feeling anxiety and fear in terms of what's going on because we fear the unknown future it's always unknown but it just feels more out of control than ever
0: now He just didn't know what the day. You know, he said only my father knows the You know, the times and the days. But he also kept coining throughout. You know, we see in the Sermon on the Mount the, the beautiful illustrations of consider the lilies of the field they neither toil nor spin. Solomon and all his glory was not clothed like one of these. And I think that this these times are really proving us in terms of what we really live by. If I don't really believe that. If I think that's just a nice little truth that Jesus said, but I don't really, I'm not really convinced that he will take care of all the details, I'll be led by fear. And I think that this is where, like I said, I think that, that God is allowing this to prove us. i to just say, okay, now that you're afraid, what does that say about what you've been putting your trust in? Have you been putting your trust in your bank account or your ability to have a job or the political figures in office or you know we could go on and on and I think that the um and we've talked about this before but I think the news is doing a in a terrible way a, a brilliant job of convincing us that if one party uh, succeeds the other party is you know it, it's really it's all over like the world as we know it will be all over I sent out an email last week to the cohorts and I said, as the sun rises every morning, it reminds me that God has set this world into motion and he is the one who controls all the events of the world. And if he does, if that's true, if I really believe that, I can have confidence that in his goodness and in his compassion with this world, but also each one of us, he truly is working things out for our good but I must go back to that still point.
1: If someone's honest with you and just says, listen, I know God's in control. I want to be a beacon of hope and encouragement for others, but in my heart, it's difficult to turn that around. We're consumed by social media and consumed by the news. Where can we even begin to grow in that confidence in the midst of what's going on today?
0: Well, I think that wherever we put our gaze, we become formed by. So if I'm, if I'm spending, um, if I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I turn on the news because I want to make sure I'm, I'm up to date as to what has happened. I'm being formed by the opinions. I'm being formed by the, the, um, the news outlets, no matter which one I watch. And that's, that's shaping my perception of the world. That's shaping the, my perception of other people. But I think that that um, I was thinking about this for myself is I think that there's there's a point that we need to take a spiritual fast from media outlets because it's too easy for it to form us. And again, back to we become what we gaze at. I need to be looking, spending more time in scripture reading. I need to spend more time in Christian reading that are telling me about who Jesus is, because the more I can stare at him, the more I gaze at him. The more those qualities I see in him, I'm going to be thinking, as Paul says, think about what that which is good, true, and beautiful. I'm going to be thinking about those things. And as I think about those things, I, I have the invitation by God to let him form and shape me into those qualities.
1: And Nancy, one of the words I see going around in the news, even from believers, is healing. We've heard very sad reports and even see it in our inner circles of division in family. We're even, of Mm -hmm. course, seeing division within the church. And we have a world and a country that's asking and seeking for healing as we move forward, regardless of what the results are. What does that look like, even knowing that half the country is divided politically and in terms of opinions and policies.
0: Well, I think that when you you, you use the term healing, the next question comes to mind is who has hurt you or what has hurt you that you feel that your heart is wounded. And I think that most people would probably answer that generally, like this person who, you know, um, this group in my church or this commentator on the news, or maybe someone who made a comment that they know in passing, part of, I think, what we're being invited to is moving away from this whole notion that I am the center of the universe and that when I get hurt, the world revolves around me and I am justified and I need someone to, I can lick my wounds, I can blame other people, I can complain and be angry and hostile. And that doesn't diminish the whole notion of being hurt. But I think that you know, when I traveled to different parts of the world, the comment, especially when I was in Scotland, their views of Americans were that we were these kind of self-absorbed, overeating, emotional babies. Like mm. we just talked about ourselves and we were all about ourselves. And having students in classes from other countries and hearing their reaction to Americans, it generally comes with America, narcissism. And I think that that's where I think part of what we're seeing is this, you know, if you disagree with me, well, if I'm the center of the universe, that matters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That matters. My my view and my perception of the world, you need to agree with me. And if you don't, well, then I'm bothered by that because I, I need my way and my view is, is most important. But maturity is growing up to be able to consider that I'm not the center of the universe and that I, that other people do have some view of the world that could be helpful for me. And so I think back to your question, I think of a church that Ray and I are involved with a very large church, and there was a... Split among the leadership, uh, there was a person that was fairly divisive in the leadership that just started splitting people and causing great harm among the leadership. And eventually the whole church split. So we, you know, we weren't involved with any of it, but we, we also knew we couldn't take sides, which is what they were asking people to do. About a year and a half later, I got a call from um, one of the leaders in the church and two things, she confessed to Ray and I an attitude of the heart that she had had against us that we didn't even know and asked for forgiveness, which we were stunned. One, that one, we didn't know, but, but two, that she would take the courage to say, I need to have a clean heart before God. And I, I held this against you. And then she said that there was going to be a, a service of reconciliation, that all the leadership that, with the exception of one person in that period of time had one by one gone to each other and said, I've realized I've held this against you. Um, Will you please forgive me? And it wasn't, I'm going to go to you because you've hurt me and I need to make sure that you understand that you've hurt me. It was the reverse. I understand that I've held this against you. Mm. So we went to this uh, service of reconciliation, not sure what we would find. And the entire leadership with the exception of this one person had created a liturgy of confession And they stood in front of the church, so it was a normal church service, and at at one point in the service, they stood in front of the church and they read specific sins in which they had committed against the congregation. And you saw tears and people weeping and this incredibly vulnerable, humble moment. And they said, we have sinned against you and we have sinned against God. And then there was a point where they asked for a response and then they had it written out so that um, people could pause for a minute and reflect as to whether they were willing to accept that confession. And then in turn as a, as a um, church we then receive their confession and offer forgiveness. And then following that they had a time where people then could go to anybody who was in the the service at that moment that they had held anything against and ask for confession. And literally you saw people leaping out of their chair and stumbling over each other to get to other people and say, I'm so sorry. Wow. For a year and a half, I've been resentful. Mm-hmm. I've judged you. I've, I've said things about you that has hurt you. Will you please forgive me? It was incredible. And I, and I believe that that was the church at its best.
1: Wow. Wow. We want and desperately, like, need to see that, especially within families. And like you said, that's like, you can't express more love than that and, and humility. But the differences right. that separate us, are there's so much at stake, even life and death, in terms of the policies that, that separate us and our differences. What does humility like that, like what you just described, look like when you disagree about issues— that are so important biblically without leaving you feeling like you're compromising.
0: But see, again, it moves away. I have to move away from me being the center. The God has entrusted me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with my view and my opinion. And at the end of the day, I have so much weight and so much responsibility. that if you don't agree with me, heaven and hell are, are on the line. Well, that's just not true it's just not true yeah what god entrusts me with is to examine my own heart and to and ask him to show where there's any as psalm 139 talks about if there's any wickedness in me and leading me to righteousness what's righteousness right living he doesn't say okay now that you've got the right view of what the culture of the world should be i want you to go out and change the world no he said mm-hmm. be my disciple and a disciple is one that loves like Christ, that no matter how many times the Pharisees came up against him, and he did it. He loved them in return. He loved them to the cross. But we have a distorted view of what that looks like, and I think that we have to get back to the, basically the fundamentals of who is Jesus? How does he live? And am I living like him? The people that scorned him, he didn't go up to them and say, now let me correct you now. Yeah. <laughs> You should you should have said that. That's not true. I'm here to tell you what's true. He 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 embodied truth, and he embodied truth wrapped up in love.
1: For the next four years, half the country will be either angry, upset. We got a text this morning. The person saying they feel betrayed and cheated. What's your encouragement, Nancy? as we move forward to make sure that we're agents of reconciliation as believers and recapture the narrative for ourselves and not, are not left feeling like, quote-unquote, winners or losers.
0: I would encourage everyone that feels hurt and betrayed to go to the Beatitudes and really camp there one by one by one, that each Beatitude builds on the, the next, the first one being blessed are the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. theirs is the kingdom of God. So I might be hurt and betrayed, But I need to go deeper than that. What is really, really bothering me? It's the uncertainty. It's the fact that there might be people in this world that disagree with me that might do me harm. Well, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that I entrust my concerns and I trust my fears and I entrust what I think is right into the hands of God and say, you know, if I really do that, now I'm in a place where God can fill me with his peace, with his perspective, with his love. You know, First Corinthians 13, love is, is the only thing that will remain, yeah. which is really profound. So if I'm holding resentment, if I feel betrayed, I'm, I'm still in a place where I have had my view offended. I have not had my worldview accepted. These people out here, they're not safe. Well, there's nothing about love that's self giving, self sacrificing, seeking the benefit of others in that thinking. And it takes a while to get there. I'm not saying that's an easy process. But I have to keep engaging with um, how did Jesus deal with this? And I can't be selective as well. He turned over the money changers and he. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm proof texting my point. I really have to look at the, at the life of Jesus and say, Lord, examine me. If there's anything in my heart here in terms of where I feel justified in my anger, search me. And now lead me to where I'm I'm broken in you, where I'm not formed in you, where I don't think like you. And then it leads you all the way through the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Why am I mourning? Because I'm mourning over the sins in the world and I'm mourning over the sin in my own life and how I so imperfectly love. And when I'm in that place, then I'm beginning to see my neighbor next door who completely opposes everything that I believe in. Now, is another one of the people that God loves and has created and has given me a chance to be, for her to be in my life so I can learn how to love. And so now, she's my teacher.
1: Nancy Kane, Associate Professor and Program Director for Moody Distance Learning Christian Spiritual Formation Certificate Program. If you want more information about her book, Stages of the Soul, go to brianandjanelle.org, contact us, and I'll send you the link myself. I love it, and it can help us as we seek a posture where we're looking into the eyes of Jesus and our agents of love and reconciliation in this time in our country. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you like your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more.
0: And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating.
1: You can also hang with us live weekday 6 to 9 a.m., interact with us, talk with us, download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa.
0: And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
1: Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep.